Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Do you have anybody in your life to keep you honest before God? I think it's very important to do that. If you don't, find someone. Get yourself in a small group. Open up. Be real. If you're real, even if you have to share faults, it will keep you in the love of Christ. Because Satan wants us to just put nice masks on and kind of pretend like everything's fine in our life when it isn't fine in our life. Be careful. As a parent, you provide your children with a nice home. Attend to their schooling, make sure they spend time wisely, keep them away from danger. But what are you doing for their heart? A godly example in the home is a powerful witness to a child's heart. Children look to their parents first to see how to live. And when they see you on your knees in prayer or standing up for what's right, they'll remember. Forget about all the things you can buy for your kids or activities you can sign them up for. All of those things are only temporary. When it comes time for them to leave your nest, it's what's in their heart that matters. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 23, verse 1, with today's study. Chronicles chapter 23. Now, some of these chapters are a little difficult. If you desire to read every single verse, go for it. I'm not. And you'll see why as we go through. First Chronicles 23. When David was old, anybody resemble that tonight? And full of years, he made his son king over Israel. There comes a time in our lives when we have to pass on the baton. That means in the church that we always need to be involved in ministering and bringing up younger people to carry on the ministry. And I think it's true in every aspect of the ministry, whether it be the sound or the music or the teaching or leading a a small, whatever, that baton eventually has to come through and be passed on. Now, Paul spoke about that a lot in his life. See, David is going to pass it on to his son. Keep your finger there. We'll be back in a moment. Head off to uh, 2 Timothy in the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul had young disciples that he ministered to. There were men that he was bringing along in the ministry. And he had some specific things always in mind. And he gives us a little bit of snapshot of his heart in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Paul writing to his, his younger disciple, Timothy, You, however, know all about my teaching. You know about my way of life. You know about my purpose. You know about my faith. You know about my patience. You know about my love. 
you know about my endurance. You know about my persecutions. And you know about the sufferings and what kind of things have happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Timothy knew a lot about Paul. How did that happen? Well, it happened because Timothy spent time with Paul. They had this close relationship. They were accountable one to another. Paul was continually encouraging and challenging Timothy to follow his example as Paul would follow Christ. And I think there's a challenge whether we're a Christian leader, small group leader, or a parent. 1 Corinthians 11.1, you don't need to turn there, says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. One of the questions you want to ask yourself tonight, whether you're a female or a male, depending where you're at, could you challenge, if you're a parent, your children to do that? If you're a small group leader, if you're head of the music, if you're a head usher, if you're in the sound, if you're in the... T- could you challenge the people that you're ministering to, to follow you as you follow Christ? You see, David's going to turn the kingdom over to Solomon. Paul says, I'm going to turn the ministry, I'm getting ready to die, I'm turning the ministry over to you and other people. And I think it's very important that we understand that. We have to be those kind of godly role models that Timothy talked about here. Very important. Now, in Philippians chapter 3, here, I'll just read it for you. Paul says this, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. You see, we're not only accountable to God, we should be accountable in our own lives to different role models. There should be somebody in your life that you're accountable to as a male and a female. Somebody that's challenging you. Somebody that will help you grow. Somebody that will help uh, protect you. Somebody that will balance you because we lack in many areas of our life. There are so many pastors and leaders and homes falling apart today. One of the reasons is because there is no accountability. People don't want to open up. They don't want to be honest with anybody else. And I think it's very important in this day and age, if you're leading somebody, you you ought to have somebody that you're accountable to. Guys, is there somebody that can challenge you? Ladies, is there a person that can challenge you, keep you responsible to the Word of God? Certainly husband and wife can do that, but many times we just need to be sharing that. When the elders meet, we hold each other accountable. We challenge each other. And sometimes uh, we just uh, have to lay it out on the table because we're just exactly like you. Do you have anybody in your life to keep you honest before God? I think it's very important to do that. If you don't, find someone. Get yourself in a small group. Open up. Be real. If you're real, even if you have to share faults, it will keep you in the love of Christ. Because Satan wants us to just put nice masks on and kind of pretend like everything's fine in our life when it isn't fine in our life. Be careful. Now, one of the things that I think is really important, notice in that verse, Paul says, you know about my purpose. What is our purpose? 
Well, I want to challenge you with one again tonight. Certainly our purpose is to be like Jesus Christ, to, to think like Christ, to act like Christ, and to minister like Christ. Well, one of the main purposes in Christ's life we find in Luke 19.10. Let's turn there for a moment. Luke 19.10. And while you're turning there, you can have another finger and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul said to Timothy, you know my purpose. Sometimes we forget the purpose of the church. Certainly it's to be a church that worships. It's to have fellowship. It's to be one with another. It's got to know one another. Even more of a challenge in a large church that we do that. But in Luke 19.10, we have a real key purpose. It says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. What is lost tonight? The whole world's lost. That's why Christ came. Think on your street. Dare you guess how many on that street are lost? When you go to work tomorrow, those of you that work, just take a moment, look around your department. How many don't know Jesus Christ? You see, sometimes we just forget, we kind of get in this routine and we're just going through the motions of church. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, Paul understood that because that's one that, remember, on the road to Damascus, Christ was seeking him out. He was punishing Christians, going the other way. Lost people, you've heard me say it many times, matter to God. And we can't forget that purpose in our own life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we see what Paul did to challenge that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22 and 23. Paul says this, To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. You see, part that's on my heart is that we always keep the lost in the front of us. We're always focused on lost people. I'll tell you how you can keep passionate in the ministry. I don't care how many years you've been here. I don't care if you're an elder or one of our pastors. Here's how you keep passion. You have a heart for the lost. We can't lose that. I read something that really challenged me. If a church is doing its job in evangelism, it will be a perpetual kindergarten. I love it. You say, well, I don't like that. And you might as well find another church because we're after the lost. We want to disciple them. We want to see them come to the Lord. I hope you have a heart for the lost. Make sure that that's happening in your life. There's another thing that I want to talk about. I'm just going to spend the time. Solomon is going to have the kingdom handed to him by David. That means in our homes, we have to learn to pass the baton on. Our homes are being destroyed. You know that. The divorce rate among Christians is no different than the divorce rate among the world. And our homes are just being destroyed from within because there are really, for many of the cases, there's no role model in the home. There's no man, there's no woman to stand for God. Husband and wife are after each other rather than uplifting and encouraging the kids. One of the reasons I'm in the ministry 
is because of the home life I came from. Solomon, no doubt, saw the heart that David had for God. Do your children, do your grandchildren see the heart you have for God? I don't care whether you're a single parent or there's a husband or wife in the home. That, none of that matters. Do they see your heart for God? You see, I remember vividly, although I never, ever imagined I would be in the ministry. I remember vividly my dad's faith. I can picture it now. And one of the reasons I'm in the ministry is because even though my dad was human just like everybody else and failed much, he had a heart for God. And I can remember coming home at night as a teenager, going upstairs. We had a uh, two-floor home. And I can see the one door closed into the spare bedroom. And my mom would be on her knees praying for her two sons. I can picture that now. One of the reasons I'm still on fire for the Lord, I think, and got started right is because of my mom. Let me ask you a very challenging question to all of us. Do your children ever see you on your knees? Do they know that you're praying for them? Are there images that you're imprinting on their minds? You see, if you don't care for your kids, who is? And my friends, we're in spiritual warfare. Our kids need to be bathed with prayer. It's not enough to provide them a nice home. It's not enough to provide them an education. It's not enough to provide them love and a nice vacation. All those things are excellent. But we have to be role models for our kids. I saw my dad use God's word. When my mom died in her early 40s of breast cancer, he was alone. He had a really tough time of it. But I saw him come through that because of the stability of God's word in his life. That made an imprint on me. I saw later when the name it and claim it, the faith thing came into the church back in the 60s, that everybody could be healed. There's perfect health. You can all be prosperous. There's no question if you're following God's will, you be prosperous. I saw our church devastated by that. I saw my dad stay true to the things of God. And when the rest of those people fell, when prosperity didn't come, when their marriages fell apart, one person who left the church and touted to my dad, the reason people aren't healing this church because there's no faith here. His mother got cancer and died in spite of his prayers. I saw my dad stand, not angry, in love, against false teaching, even when it cost him. You see, those are invaluable things to me. That's why I'm here today. When it comes and goes, it's all right, because we have a rock, and it's Christ Jesus. In your home, parent, are you a rock? Are you there? I think it's a challenge for all of us. Parents, God has a plan for your children. Be praying about it. They've got to see you serving God with your whole heart. They've got to know that if you're Excited about God, it's got to be real inside. Single parent or otherwise, doesn't matter. And I just want to challenge you tonight, as well as you that are grandparents, because in many of our homes, our grandparents, that's who's going to teach our kids what God's about. Because sometimes the parents are just not going to do it. So certainly by prayer, even though we're far away, I'm far away from my grandkids, but we pray for them. Make sure you're doing that. Now, that was verse 1. Back to First Chronicles. 
The baton is passed to Solomon. First Chronicles 23, verse 2. He also gathered together all the leaders of Israel, as well as the priests and the Levites. And the Levites, 30 years old or more, were counted. And the total number of men was 38,000. And David said, Of these, 24,000 are to supervise the work of the temple of the Lord, and 6,000 are to be officials and judges. 4,000 are to be gatekeepers, and 4,000 are to praise the Lord with musical instruments I have provided for that purpose. So we have another census. We remember David did a census, and it was a pride issue, and he got destroyed for it. This is not a pride issue. God has organized this. This census is a service issue. God wants to see who are there, and he says to David, you count the Levites, notice, and those and the priests, and I'm going to use these guys, and I'm going to divide them up. See, God's a very organized man. He, he has this organizational chart that would blow most of us away. He's very organized. And part of this new temple that was going to be built would involve great worship. If you're going to have great worship, it has to be organized. And worship always was involved with the Levites. You remember the Levites, they lived in certain cities, the cities of refuge. And God had apportioned those to them. And they would come for a two-week period and minister in the temple. They would do their responsibilities that God wanted them to do. Then they'd go back and live their normal lives the other 42 weeks, 48 weeks out of the year, 50 weeks out of the year. But for those two weeks, they would come into the temple, they would do their service, then they'd go back home. So David's getting this thing organized. He can't build the temple, but he's going to get all of this organized so that when the temple is built, these organizational charts will be there and the flow of ministry will be good. So he's dividing these different people up into 24 units. There's that two week of a year rotation and you do that two weeks, serve and then go back to your house. Now notice the different roles we see in that verse. There'd be supervisors to watch over the work of the temple. There'd be officials and judges. There would be gatekeepers. We'll talk about that more later, kind of like our parking lot security force. And there'd be musicians, simply people spending time singing and praising the Lord. Now, write this down. I won't take time to go there. But 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this. Each one should serve whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various form. Realistically, we have musicians, but we don't have gatekeepers. We really don't have officials and judges. We really don't have supervisors. We just have lots of people that are servants. That's you, and that's me. Now, the world says, you serve me. But God says, no, you serve me. And I want to challenge all of us to make sure that we're serving with excellence. That's one of the goals we have here at this church, to represent God well. Some of you have not discovered your gift, and you haven't started serving. Romans chapter 12, verses about 6 through 8. You can find your gift that God has given you. Remember in Ecclesiastes, Solomon later would write this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. There is absolutely no room in the body of Christ for mediocrity. Chuck Swindoll, in one of his leadership's traits, and I have this on my board at home also, it reminds me, it says this, 
a strong commitment to excellence in everything I undertake. Look at your own life tonight. Whatever ministry you're at serving here, are you serving with excellence? That's the goal. There's no perfection. None of us are here. But we should be serving with excellence. To do that requires time and dedication and practice. Now look at verse 24. These were the descendants of Levi by their families, the heads of families as they were registered under their names, and counted individually, that is, the workers 20 years old or more, who served in the temple of the Lord. Now, originally, David started out, and he had to be 30 years old to serve. Interesting enough, Jesus began serving at 30. But now, we're seeing that David dropped the age by a third. He went from 30 to 20. Now, why did he do that? Because of the volume of work. There was just more work than could be done. So he said, I'm lowering the bar a little bit. Let's get these people down here. Now, remember, God's an organized God. Some people think, well, if you're filled with the Spirit, all you have to do is show up on Sunday and things will be taken care of. Everything will just fall into place. How many know that's definitely not true? And, you know, you know, it's the old thing with the choir. Come on up, up everybody from the choir, get out of the audience. Come on. I mean, anybody remember those days when the choir used to come from the audience and get right up and let her fly? Well, it let her fly pretty much most of the time. And you open the door so it could continue just flying out the, the window. But 1 Corinthians 14.40, it says this, But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. That includes all the gifts of the Spirit. That includes everything in our life. Now, to make sure that gets done, God has gifted some people in our body and in everybody with a gift of administration. You know, the ones that seem to always have it together drive us nuts sometimes, don't they? For those of you that are artsy-crafty, they definitely drive you nuts. But we need both. The artsy-crafty does the nice painting on the wall. The administrator gives us money to do the nice painting on the wall. So keep things in order. By the way, if you married and you're an organization person, I guarantee you married an artsy-crafty person. If you're an artsy-crafty person, guess what God stuck you with? A list maker. For who's good? Both of yours. Back to verse 25. For David had said, Since the Lord, the God of Israel, has granted rest to his people and has come to dwell in Jerusalem forever, the Levites no longer need to carry the tabernacle or any of the articles used in the service. According to the last instructions of David, the Levites were counted from those 20 years or more. The duty of the Levites was to help Aaron's descendants in the service of the temple of the Lord, to be in charge of the courtyards, the side rooms, the purification of all sacred things, the performance of the duties at the house of God. They were in charge of the bread set out on the table, the flour of the grain offerings, the unleavened wafers, the baking and the mixing, and all the measurements of quantity and size. They were to stand every morning and to thank and praise God. They were to do the same in the evening. And whenever burnt offerings were presented to the Lord on Sabbaths and at new moon festivals and in appointed feasts, they were to serve before the Lord regularly in the proper number and in the way prescribed for them. And so the Levites carried out their responsibilities for the tent of the meeting, for the holy place, and under their brothers the descendants of Aaron's for the service of the temple of the Lord. In today's message from First Chronicles, Pastor Mark addressed the important issues of leading by example, as well as being accountable for your actions as a believer. If your actions are evidence of your faith, it can have a great impact on those around you. 
To support you in your Christian walk, Pastor Mark recommended having a fellow believer or believers that can help you be accountable in your commitment. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll see in First Chronicles how the Lord has everything in order, and everything He does has a purpose, even if they're not evident until much later. Each person has a duty, and we'll see how important it is to do our own duties with excellence. When we give God our all, we'll see that obedience bear good fruit. His order is for our protection and to further His message. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Barber of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.